I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD been a little bit since we've talked Yankees, man. Been quite a bit. Um couple weeks. You know, it's it's been boring. You know, what else can you say? How could you talk about the Yankees when there is literally nothing going on in baseball right now? It feels to me that the offseason Sorry, I'm readjust myself here. It feels to me that the MLB offseason gets slower and slower every single year. I mean, I guess it like it all started with the whole, with the the off season of Machado and Harper, right? That's where I feel like it all started, and ever since then, ever since then, man, it's kind of been um, it's going downhill a bit, you know, in, in terms of the speed. There's been no pace in any off season since then. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's you know this year. I guess it's more understandable with covid you have you have limited in person you know visits and things and such you know things such as that but still as something tells me regardless it was going to be a slow off season and, and here we are <laughs> maybe i'm just anxious you know <laughs> I, I still feel like the yankees are going to re-sign dj lemayu but it's just annoying because he's one of the few players that i enjoy watching you know, as a pessimistic fan, I guess you could call me. I call myself realistic, but, um, you know, as a fan who who is critical of the Yankees, DJ LeMayu is the one guy that I find hard, very difficult, very difficult to, um, to kind of pick at. So that's one of the few guys I really love on this team. So I want him back. Um, I am hearing that there are... You know they're, that they're um, kind of getting closer. They're kind of progressing. That's what I'm hearing um, from what I'm reading online and stuff from sources. Um, but <laughs> I, I think it'll inevitably, you know, happen. You know, I think it'll it'll come. It's it may take some time, right? But I think eventually you're gonna you're gonna get it. Um, Lemayu loves New York. He's the kind of guy who's not just gonna leave I, I don't think I don't see him as that kind of you know guy he's got the character that he will want to be in New York first before he thinks about anywhere else maybe I'm wrong but and then you look at the Yankee side though you know when you consider <laughs> Tanaka uh, Paxton Hap all coming off the payroll uh, then you've uh, obviously you of course you've got the 21 million um, coming your way you know back from the Jacoby contract that's going to give the Yanks plenty of, you know, open salary cap. I think that's over $73 million in salary cap when you consider all those things. Um, and that's plenty enough to re-sign the Mayhew long-term. Um, and I wouldn't be afraid to go long. I really wouldn't. If we're talking five years, you know, a lot of people hate that when, you, when you've got a player over 30, um, entering his mid-30s soon. But I really, when you look at DJ LeMayhew's, you know, resume... You know, 327, 893, 
um, in his first season in New York. Then he goes six, uh, 364 with an OPS over 1,000 his second year in New York. You look at that, and you, you just look at his overall approach and style of play. You know, it's not like he relies on strength and muscle and power to thrive. He just relies on having a smart, consistent approach, right? Nothing really physical. It's all mental with him. And I think that you're going to last longer, you know, in terms of your, your, your productive play. So I wouldn't mind giving a, what is he, 32 right now? 33 in July or June? I wouldn't mind giving him five years, you know. Because I think at worst, at the end of that five-year deal, say what if it were to happen, I think at worst, you get a 270, 800 guy. You know, and that's not bad for the fifth and final year of a 37-year-old's contract, right? And so I think he'll produce if you give him five years in. Whatever, you know, four years, maybe 80 million, five years, 100, you know what I mean? Something around that. Maybe, probably more. Uh, I don't know. I don't fucking know. But I, I wouldn't mind going to that extent, you know. Give or take a few bucks, years, I wouldn't mind it. The Yankees have the money. This is an extremely productive player. He's obviously very important to their team. Not only can he, <clears throat> not only is he one of the few players on the, on the squad, who knows how to put the ball in play in big time scenarios, but he's but he's very flexible around the infield, right? He can play first base, he can slide over to third base, and then he's he's a natural second baseman. Occasionally he can play backup shortstop, but he can slide around the infield. Okay, so he's a very valuable player. When we talk about value, he's one of the most valuable players in baseball. And you could have made a case for him winning the American League's Most Valuable Player Award. I'm going to go ahead and sip my tea now. Rather hot chocolate, but you get the reference. Um, so I'm thinking it's going to come eventually. Obviously, it's a slow off season. December's not even here yet. It's actually here tomorrow. As you are listening to this, it is December 1st. But um, hopefully they get that done. You know? Blake Snell in trade rumors <laughs> have to think, is that something to do with the World Series and that whole debacle when he had 73 pitches, five and a third innings, cruising, and he's taken out? I don't know. But that's not even worth entertaining. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into Snell talks because that's not happening. He's probably staying there. That's probably just smokescreen. Um... So we're going to get into a couple things tonight, all right? So in episode 188 of the podcast, we're going to get into a couple of things. Um, we're going to take a quick break first, and when we get back from break, we'll discuss a little bit about um, some more recent hearsay. We've heard James McCann's name pop up a couple of times, and recently it's been getting warmer and warmer. You know, it seems like the Yankees are really trying to target him. Um, Chris Bryant, his name is starting to pop up. So we'll talk about those two guys and potentially, you know, if the Yankees chase them. And maybe a few more things. So stick around. I am your host, Rob Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. This episode of BD4 is sponsored by Anchor. 
you can go to anchor.fm or you can download the Anchor app and start your own podcast right from your phone or the computer. Anchor distributes your podcast for you to major podcast feeds, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, I'm sorry, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. It's free, and if you want, they'll pay you as long as you read an advertisement. Guys, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Appreciate you stopping by. So we're going to head to break, and when we get back, we will get into things. All right. Hey guys, just a quick reminder that if you haven't followed me on social media yet or subscribed to the blog or this podcast, just go to my website to do all that stuff at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. All right. So, you know, I, I hate rumors, you know, especially the early stages of rumors because shit never ends up happening. Um, but that's what we're going to get into tonight. A couple of rumors because I, I did want to talk a little bit more Yankees before we go heavy on the Knicks. Because, you know, truth be told, it's going to be quiet on the podcast when it comes to the Yankees uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. Because uh, the NBA is starting, um, and so I'm going to be heavy on the Knicks, you know. I'm going to be recording episodes every two games, like the usual. Writing the blog every night, after every game. And, you know, I, I guess I'll only do Yankees, you know, occasional updates like I'm doing right now. And, you know, things to break certain news. And stuff like that. <laughs> so when DJ does sign back, we'll put on an episode. All right. Um, but tonight, yeah, it, just a couple of rumors. You know, if there's one thing I do hope, uh, before we even get into the things I want to talk about, I hope, and not to hate on the guy, because I know many people know that I'm not the biggest fan of him. But man, do I hope in 2021... That Mr. Brett Gardner is not only in, not only in, I don't, not only do I not want him in the starting lineup, I don't want him on this team. Can we just let it go? We're playing this game. You know, it's, it's going to become a loop if we keep doing this thing. One more year, one more year for the nostalgia. He's deserved it. Let him play his entire career as a Yankee. I'm sorry, man. This isn't Paul O'Neill. You know, this isn't Tino Martinez. Reggie Jackson. This is no legendary Yankee. He's had a very serviceable career as a Yankee. Don't get me wrong. Gardner has been an above-average player for the Yankees over the course of his career. You know, okay at the plate. Brings a very sharp eye. Has developed some power over the last couple of years, believe it or not, in his later stages. Um, and plays, you know, has played over the course of his career um, some very strong defense, despite the noodle arm. Could steal bases back in the day when, when you were allowed to run. Don't get me wrong. So he's had a solid career. He's no Hall of Famer. He's no Monument Park Yankee. I'm starting to see that more than I'd like right now. 
Monument Park, to me, is for Yankee legends, not solid Yankees, not credible, serviceable, decent Yankees. It's for Yankee legends. And Yankee legends, to me, my definition of a Yankee legend is somebody who earns it in the month of October. And so if we're putting Gardner's name in Monument Park as a Yankee legend, you're putting a one something a below the Mendoza line postseason hitter in Monument Park. And that would not be okay with me. <laughs> Look at the numbers. He's been pretty bad. He's been very, very poor at the plate for a long period of time in the postseason. Has he had moments? Of course. A broken clock is right twice a day. But I hope we don't bring him back next year. He had a good postseason, I get it, but it's time. We've got enough of a logjam as it is. We keep stalling Clint Frazier's career. Can we get this guy started, please? It's about time he's there from day one to day 162. And plays in the postseason this time. Boone. Alright, it's 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 time we go youth. Gardner, I'm thankful for your service here. I'm thankful for your decent career as a Yankee. But boy, is it time. I'm trying to win a championship. I'm not trying to put together a photo album. You know, of nostalgia. Speaking of getting rid of Yankees... Luke Voigt's name has kind of been in trade talks, more amongst the fans than the Yankees. So it's another thing I don't see happening. But, you know, I think the big thing is he's coming off a, an MVP caliber season, despite him being snubbed from the top three, um, four even. He's coming off a very strong career season. Incredible season across 60 games. Um, so his value you know, has never been higher. And the Yankees have some needs. And first base is a very expendable position for them when you consider LeMayhew being able to slide over the first. Obviously, they'd have to re-sign him. But, you know, you can do it. It makes sense to me. You've got voids to fill in the starting rotation. Luke Voigt could very well haul you in a pitcher. The problem is, the starting pitching market right now, whether that be in free agency or the trade market, it, it's not very enticing. So this might be something you have to wait on. Maybe the 2021 deadline. But just something to keep an eye on if he continues this play and produces. Um... Maybe for some relief pitching too. Because people forget. We need some relief pitchers. Our bullpen is not top notch anymore. They showed that this season. It's not top notch. Chapman shows it every postseason. <laughs> you know, we can't be going fucking playing important games. Divisional games. That, that rely. You know, we can't be playing games that are so crucial to winning or losing the division and having players like what's that dude's name? Nick Nelson go out there and hurl you two or three innings or fucking Luis Sessa 
pitch in a crucial spot. Crucial spots. We've got these low-tier guys coming in. We don't have the depth that we used to. The top guys we have are getting older. We need some we need some bullpen arms. Adovino, we don't trust him. The Yankees don't trust him. We we need some arms. We need some more weapons. In that stable. Kevin Cash. Alright, so let's get to it. Now, um, James McCann. He's been a backup his entire career. Even last year, you know, half the games, um, he, he's backed up. Had some starts, but for the most part, this guy's a backup. Um, 30 years old, 31 in June. The Yankees are interested. So are the Mets, the Cardinals, the Angels, the Cubs, the Phillies. If JT becomes too expensive, which is, um, it seems like he is right now from what I'm hearing. The Cardinals, you know, if they don't want to get Molina back in. So he, he's being looked at by a lot of teams because he's coming off two very good seasons. Two very strong seasons in, in a White Sox uniform. <clears throat> So do the Yankees try and trade Gary Sanchez? Or do they just try and acquire James McCann for insurance in case Gary flops again? You know. And McCann's been good. The first five seasons of his career he spent in Detroit. But they were very lackluster offensively. 240 hitter. A 653 OPS. And 15 homers per 162 as a Detroit Tiger. But... He goes to the White Sox, plays two seasons over there. Technically, the the you know the games played amounted to a single season, being that there was only sixty games last year, and he played in half of them. But you know, two years in 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 Chicago, he batted two seventy six with an eight oh eight OPS, and the home runs per one sixty two jumped from fifteen, almost doubled to twenty eight. More power. The average is creeping up, and because of those two things, the OPS has skyrocketed. In a contract year, this past season, specifically 289 with a 900 OPS, or an 896 OPS. Seven home runs in 30 games. Had a good year, contract year. So he's probably going to command something decent. We'll touch on that in a second. But So you look at him. He, his stock is on the rise, right? McCann. And you look at Gary. His stock is on the decline, right? That's no secret. Gary's first two seasons were really promising. 285, 923, with 50 home runs per 162. His first two full seasons. Well, not full, but his first two seasons. Because remember, his rookie year was about 50-something games. But yeah, very complete hitter, right? Power, contact, discipline. Hit the ball at a high clip. Drove in runs. 285-923, his first two seasons. Then come the last three years. <laughs> He's now a 200-748 hitter. Big, significant Drastic 
drop-off for Gary Sanchez. The power is still there. It's always going to be there with him. 42 homers per 162. But everything else has gotten significantly worse. The strikeout rate has, has went up from 23% to 28% over the last three years. This past season, 36%. Hitting a buck 47. Again, the 10 homers were there. But outside of power, Gary Sanchez gives you nothing anywhere else. So if you're getting a McCann and you're thinking about replacing Gary Sanchez with a James McCann, if you look at the aspects of the game, power, contact, um, batting average, defense, and overall, you know, maybe the war, and you compare it. You're getting less power. Gary beats him by a lot there. Uh, but you're getting a little bit better contact with, with McCann. Talking about the K rates. You're getting a much better batting average. You're getting a much better defensive flair. Errors, better there. Pass balls, better there. Caught stealing, better there. Defensive run saved, much better there. Framing is similar if you look at the numbers. But overall, defensively, McCann by a lot. So you look at the war, pretty sure McCann's war is higher too. So you're getting a much better player, much better catcher, much smarter, more efficient hitter. And pretty, so I don't understand the infatuation here with some Yankees fans. And a lot of it is the younger Yankees fans, right, who hate when people talk down on their favorite players. I get it. You love this team. I was right where you were when I was younger. But, you know, if you look at the truth, all right, and you stop thinking with your emotions and start thinking with your brain, Gary Sanchez isn't a top catcher anymore. Just because he has power doesn't mean he's a top catcher. When it comes to a point where you're batting 140-something twice in the last three seasons... Nothing else matters. He's not getting on base anymore. He's not taking the walks. He's just occasionally running into a home run. I would take McCann. He's probably going to be looking to move on from Chicago. You know, and get some starts. You know, Grandal is the one getting starts over there right now. So I think McCann's going to be looking for starter money. How that happens in this market, I'm not sure. But I don't know. Three years, 30 to 45 million. That's 10 to 15 million per year. 15 AAV. If he's paid 45 across three. That's doable if you're the Yankees. You know, it's not preferable. I would not prefer that. You know, I would prefer paying someone like JT that money. Um. I would even prefer taking Yadi Molina before I look at McCann. But if it comes down to Gary or McCann, I'm going McCann anyway. All the all the way. Pretty much anybody versus Gary at this point, I would take because the majority of those players will be upgrades. That that are in the rumor mill, at least. You know. Um now this all being said, I I do have this bad feeling that the Yankees are going to come up with, with this excuse to keep him. 
you know, some bullshit excuse to carry as their narrative for the next six plus months. You know, they're going to use the, the 2020 was a weird year or something like that. Or, you know, and, and look at his 2019 as if it was that much better just because he wasn't as bad, but was still pretty bad in the second half and use that to, to kind of uh, bounce off of. I'm telling you, I have a feeling he's going to be our starting catcher this next upcoming season here. And um, and if that's the case, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, if we if we continue to have the same problems in October, swinging and missing our way onto the golf course, we're going to take a quick break, and um, when we get back, we'll talk some Chris Bryant. All right. Hey guys, just a quick reminder that if you haven't followed me on social media yet or subscribed to the blog or this podcast, just go to my website to do all that stuff at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. All right, so... Chris Bryant, um, Chris Bryant's a good player. He's a very good player, very talented player. Um, third baseman can play some outfield. Hasn't done that as much anymore, but still pretty young, 28, 29 in January. And he's a good player, right? Now, the Cubs. They're kind of in a tricky situation. Two of their, you know, only two of their real legitimate viable starters are under contract, Darvish and Hendricks. Um, And then you look at the other side, Bryant, but also Rizzo, Baez, and I think one other, Kyle Schwarber, I believe. All three of them, all four of them, including Bryant, are entering contract years in 2021. So they're going to have to figure out a way. Right? The Cubs, you know, they might be stingy here. You know, we've already seen them and Bryant not have the best relationship. Not wanting to give Bryant his extension. And of course, there was also the, the, the service time issue. So, you know, should a Yankee, uh, Bryant trade happen? Maybe. You know, maybe they can swing a trade for him. Would I love it is a whole different story. Um, To give my personal opinion, and I already know this is probably unpopular here, okay, given that the Yankees fans are, you know, again, the the majority of Yankees fans today are very, very, um, you know, analytically driven and, and they love power. They love the excitement, the home rumble. Um, if we're bringing him in as a third baseman, no damn way I want him. I look at Urshela's contact, I look at his defense, and I look at that as having much more value to this Yankees team, this current Yankees squad, than Bryant's discipline at the plate and power. I will take Gio's high contact, high batting average, clutch defensive play over 
another home run walk strikeout player in Chris Bryant. You know, 24% K rate. 24% K rate. 170 strikeouts per 162. Geo, Geo with the Yankees. You know, 17% K rate. 104 per 162. So consistent. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I love expressions, by the way. But some of them just make so much sense. If it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it. This is another one of those, just like the Voight thing. Or, I'm sorry, unlike the Voight thing. I'm sorry, I don't know what I was thinking about. (laughs) Brain cramp there. But this is one of those scenarios where it's like trading for Bryant doesn't fix what we need. You know, it's, you don't need to do it. Sure, you get more power by a margin, you know, a margin by a little bit. But, you know, Geo brings you contact, you know. He hits for the same amount of, you know, he hits 300, 280. Bryant can hit in that area. But Geo's better in terms of putting the ball in play. He's better defensively. His war has been higher the last couple of seasons. He's had better postseason moments. Chris Bryant has been absolutely abysmal in the postseason outside of his, you know, 2016 postseason where he led them to a chip. He's had really bad playoff performances. I just don't want that. I don't want it. Sure. You know, Bryant's future is easier to look at and see success given his profile as a star player since his high school days. And, you know, he's a star. He is a star. He's done good things longer than Geo has. But again, this is not a void the Yankees should be taking a risk that big on. You know, this isn't a void. It wouldn't be filling a void. It's just replacing a good player with a good player. Third base is fine. And even if we're getting Bryant to play the outfield, we're fine there. We need to be getting guys that move the needle. And I don't think Chris Bryant's moving the needle. I think he just adds more flash. We don't need more home runs. We're, we're good on power, guys. We're plenty good on power. We don't need to add another strikeout. Another fucking, you know, 150 to 200 strikeouts to what we already have right now. That's our issue right now. If we're looking to add offensive players, we need to be looking at the Michael Brantleys of the world. That's where we should spend our money. Don't waste players and prospects and pay Bryant's $19 million contract in 2021 for for somebody who's probably not going to move the needle for you in the postseason. Gio's got two more years of team control. He's costing the Yankees pennies right now. I'd just rather stick with him. He's been so good. So if we're going to add offensive players, make sure we're adding players that fill voids. Bryant isn't what we need. We're not in a situation like the Knicks are, right? Well, we talked about it a lot with the Knicks in the draft, where they went after talent as opposed to fit. Because the Knicks don't have any talent. They need as much talent as they could possibly get. But the Yankees' issue isn't talent. The Yankees' issue is finding the right pieces, at this point, they've got all, they've got a bunch of fucking talent. We all know this. They are one of the more talented teams in baseball, if not the, at least in the American League, they are the most talented. Their issue isn't talent. 
their issue is figuring out a way to do certain things they're not good at right now at this point. So get someone like a Brantley if you're going to go after an offensive fucking player, a position player. Somebody who puts the ball in play. Because I'm tired of watching this lineup strike their way. Again, we, we said it earlier at the top of the show. Out of October and onto the golf course. Every single postseason. Every single one. That's our that's a top two issue. Right? It's making enough contact and it's starting pitching. It's not we need more home runs. It's not it's not that. Don't give me that. Downgrading a defense. Okay. He's a worse defensive player. He's going to swing and miss a whole lot more. It's just, it's it's not something I love. Doesn't always have to be the big bad name. And Michael Brantley ain't too bad of a name though. That's somebody I'm keeping my eye on. We've talked about him before. You know, in previous episodes, our most recent Yankee episodes. Here in the podcast on BD4. Guys, you can find us on uh, my website. You can find BD4 on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. Go to my website. The blog is there. Where I write my nightly recaps on the Yankees and on the Knicks. The podcast is there. The many feeds. And much more. But yeah, I'm good with, with Chris Bryant. Let's uh, let's head to break one more time, and when we get back, we'll get to the uh, the NYY NYK question of the day. Hey guys, just a quick reminder that if you haven't followed me on social media yet, or subscribed to the blog, or this podcast. Just go to my website to do all that stuff at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. All right. So, um, so for episode 187 in 187, the NYY NYK question of the day was who wore number 21 after Gerald Wilkins did from 86 to 92. Remember, this is a Knicks question. So who wore number 21 for the Knicks after Gerald Wilkins? The answer to that question, it was Charlie Ward. He was number 21 after Wilkins. Tonight's, tonight or this morning, whenever you're listening to this episode, I'm sorry, uh, question, this episode's NYY, NYK question of the day, which Yankees pitcher recorded his 300th career win while becoming the oldest pitcher to throw a shutout? So one more time. Which Yankees pitcher recorded his 300th career win 
while becoming the oldest pitcher to throw a shutout. Who was it? All right, so message me the answer, whether that be on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or just comment the answer on the post once I publish the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to BD4. Thank you for watching BD4. Even if you tuned in for a couple of minutes, thank you. But don't forget to like us, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, download the podcast, review it, rate it, tell me I suck, tell me I'm wonderful, whatever you want to do. I appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much. That is all for episode 188. I am your host, Rob Carbone. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. And this is episode 188 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And that's all we've got for tonight. I'll see you next time, guys. Thanks. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.